0: at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. Well, the message that's on my heart this morning is uh, is targeted for men. In fact, for the next two weeks, of course, next week being Father's Day, we're going to focus on men. I want every man over age 18 to stand in this place this morning. I want, to, I want you to stand. Even before I proclaim the word that has been... Written this morning, I just speak to you as as the Lord sent the angel in the book of uh, Judges to speak to Gideon, when Gideon was hiding threshing out his wheat in the wine press. The Lord saw Gideon in that place, and God sees men right now. And He told the angel of the Lord to speak to Gideon and remind him that he was a mighty man of valor, that he was a mighty hero. And every one of you men that are standing up today, you're heroes. You're heroes. Amen your 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 children are looking up to you grandchildren if there there are sons who are not connected to their natural fathers that are connected to you your your wives and your and your daughters and your your mothers and your sisters they're looking to you today i want you to just lift your hands right now as we just receive the word of the lord today father i thank you today that your attention and your eyes are turned towards men right now God and you are calling us to rise up to take to stand up God to to speak up oh God and and to, and to man up i pray today for the grace of the holy spirit to rest upon these men as you rested upon gideon father and caused him to just be a mighty judge and a mighty warrior i thank you for the anointing of god that will allow it to be hap- to allow it to happen in jesus name amen and everybody Come on, men, say amen. Let me hear a godly amen. That's right. Amen. Take your seats. Hallelujah. Well, today I want to just uh, take a few minutes before I dismiss you to the park cafe because I know y'all want to get your grub on. Um, I want to just talk about this simple theme. Hello, my name is. Come on, men, say that with me. Hello, my name is... I- I- in fact, if there's a man sitting next to you or behind you, just turn to him saying, Hello, my name is, and tell him your name. Go ahead. All right, I'm going to introduce you to Peter this morning. I'm going to introduce you to Peter, Jesus' main man. Peter was Jesus' main man. You know, you got to have a main man in your life. You got to have somebody that's a rock, somebody you can go to and you can depend on. That was Peter. Out of all 12 disciples, and I know John was the beloved disciple, the one, you know, whom Jesus loved. But Peter was the one that Jesus would would look to to take the lead. In fact, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus called him when he was a fisherman and said, Hey, come and follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. Now, Peter was a he wasn't a a dumb guy. Peter was a a small businessman. Peter was he was an industrial guy. He loved working with his hands. Peter was a guy who didn't just have one boat, but he had several boats. He had a chain of boats. So you could just see Peter, you know, having a fish and chips restaurant, having a, you know, having a fishing boat, you know, out in the sea and, and just, you know, selling fish to pick and save in Kroger. He was a businessman. But when Jesus called him to come and follow him, Peter left his business behind. The Lord spoke to Peter in such a way that it caused him to be connected to Jesus and in Matthew chapter 16, we're introduced to another aspect of Peter's call in ministry when Jesus was asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? What's my reputation? That's a dangerous question to ask. You don't want to ask everybody that question unless you really want to know. Y'all know what I mean? I dare you to, I dare you, what, who, how do people really feel about me? You better have some thick skin if you ask that question. But Jesus was securing himself, and he asked the question. And then he went a little bit deeper, and he said, Who do you say that I am? And in Matthew 16, it was Peter who stood up and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said about Peter, because he spoke that truth, he said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And he then went on to say, And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, Jesus uses two different words. He calls Peter Petros. The name Petros means a small rock or a small stone. So at that moment, Jesus gave Peter a nickname. He called him Rocky. Called him Little Rock. He, I'm giving you a nickname. I'm speaking about your character and about your nature. You're a small stone. But he says, upon this rock, this petras with the with the feminine gender, P-E-T-R-A-S, upon this rock, this this Gibraltar, this foundational stone, this this hedge stone, I will build my church. Not upon Peter. And I don't mean to offend any any Catholics in here, but Peter was not the rock that the church was built upon. It was built upon the revelation of who Jesus Christ was. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, it tells us that all of those in the Old Testament in the wilderness, they drank the same spiritual water for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them and that rock was Christ. Jesus gave Peter the revelation of who he was and I think that what what the significance of of choosing Peter this morning is is that God wants to take us as men he wants to take us as rocks and he wants to chisel on us. He wants to take his hammer, he wants to take his chisel, and he wants to form us. He wants to transform us into the image of his son, Jesus. He wants to help us to become godly men. In order to do that, he has to enroll us in his school of ministry. That's what he did with Peter. He called him from his fishing boat and said, hey, come and enroll in SUM. Come on and get in my school, Peter. I'm going to teach you some important lessons. I'm going to teach you how to fish for men catch people, but I'm also going to teach you how to be a godly man. I'm going to teach you how to be a godly leader. But one of the first lessons he had to teach Peter was how to deal with his aggression, how to deal with your testosterone, how to deal with your, your, your tendency to speak first and strike first and ask questions and think later. And so Matthew chapter five, I want to spend a, a great deal of our time here is, is really where Jesus began his school with Peter. How to deal with this aggression. And Peter, like us, was living in a violent and an aggressive time. Come on, you all know we're living in very violent times. And um, maybe some of you men are like Peter. Listen, if you strike me on my cheek, I'm striking you back on your cheek. Right? You put my eye out, I'm going to put your eye out. In fact, I might put both of them out. Right? That's, that's, the, that's the way of the world. That's the way of a man. Come on, come on, men, talk to me, right? But that's not the way of a godly man. And so the Lord was teaching Peter in verse 38, he said, You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other one also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, Hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and he sends rain on the righteous and on the right and the unrighteous I'm telling you sometimes school is hard isn't it jesus wanted to teach peter listen if you if you have this this macho mentality of what it means to be a man that that being a man is always responding back in violence or responding back in revenge he says, "Listen, an eye for an eye—that's not the way of the kingdom." Dr. King said, "If we live by that adage, an eye for an eye, all of us would be blind. You can't live that way in the kingdom of God." He says, if, "If if if I tell you, don't resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to the other one also." Now, the Lord is not telling us to be passive, wimpy. And how many you know? Peter was not a wimp. He's saying, "Hey, don't don't be." passive and wimpy, but I don't want you to allow the things that happen to you to cause you to become an abuser. I don't want you to be an agent of your wounds. You see, life happens to all of us. Life slaps us around and sometimes bad people do bad things, but if you allow that to fester on the inside of you, it will cause you to become just as bad as they are the abused will become abusers themselves. So he says, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give them your coat as well. I think this is a principle that, my, that our ancestors who came over from Africa learned in order to, to, to be free because they came over as slaves. And, and, and the, you will stay in, a, in an attitude of slavery as long as you are doing what the person is forcing you to do. But the moment you go to second mile, now you're free because they can't make you go to second mile. I'm, if they make you go to second mile, choose to go to third mile because that's when you demonstrate your liberation. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go two, he says, and give to the one who asks you. The Lord was trying to teach Peter that, that I'm enrolling you in this school where you have to understand you can't defeat evil, injustice, hatred, darkness, or violence by your own human weapons. It requires a supernatural strength. It requires weapons that are not carnal but are mighty through God. And that's what God is calling us to be as men today. To be men who will not just just lose our aggressiveness, but we will submit that to the power of the Holy Spirit. So Peter was this kind of guy... John chapter 18, he demonstrates his aggression. Let me give you some background into what happened in John chapter 18. Jesus has just crossed over to the Kidron Valley and he's gone into the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane was a place that, that Peter and all the other disciples were familiar with, including Judas, who by now, after the Last Supper, Satan has entered in him and he has gone to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And Judas knows that Jesus is going to be in that place. And so Judas comes and he's leading a a battalion of soldiers carrying swords. The the religious priests and leaders are there, the Pharisees, and they're all carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus says to them, who is it that you want? They say, we want Jesus. And Jesus says, I am he. And the scripture in John 18 says they all fall back to the ground. But Peter, being the aggressive, macho man that he was, Peter had his conceal and carry permit with him. Don't look at nobody. Just keep looking at me and nobody have to know. That's you, right? Because I know you. I know men come to park lawn strapped with their conceal. Some of the ladies, too. Y'all looking at me like, don't get it twisted, Bishop. There ain't no Bible in my purse. <laughs> Peter had his concealed and carry permit. And verse 10 says, Peter had a sword. He drew it and he struck the high priest servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. But before Peter could rewind and take another blow, Jesus stopped him and said, put your sword back in its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering that the Father has given me? Jesus stops Peter and say, wait a minute, that's not the way of a godly man to resolve and transform the world. Peter had to learn some things. First of all, he had to learn how to man up. Because he thought that masculinity was found in your virility, is found in your strength, is found in your ability to swing a sword and strike a blow. Men... I don't know if there's many of us that know how to handle life without aggression and physical force. That our first tendency is is to is to push, is to is to use force, is to react in a violent way. Peter was that kind of man. The reality is that this is the kind of man that that many of us miss church for on Sunday. Come on, we stay at home and we wear the jerseys and we sit in front of the, the TV with pizza and popcorn and with remote control, and we cheer our heroes because these are the kind of guys that we see as macho. They strike the first blow. If you knock me down, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to knock you down. Celebrate them. But here in this scene, Peter stands up as that kind of guy and he thinks that Jesus is going to back him up and Jesus is going to applaud it, but Jesus says, no, Peter, stop. I know you're a bad dude. I know you, you, got, you crazy, right? Some people know karate. You know crazy. I know that, but I'm not going to use that to transform the world. See, Peter was crazy because Peter was outnumbered. Come on, all the other disciples at that point had left. It was just Jesus and Peter and John in the background. Peter had one sword. He's surrounded by soldiers, but he's like, I don't care. I'm going down, but I'm taking a couple of y'all with me. Peter had to learn this lesson that we do as men. Before you can be greatly used by God, you have to be greatly broken. You've got to be broken. You've got to learn how to depend upon God. You've got to get to a place where you can't do anything un- until you hear from God, where you stop, you listen, you wait, you submit to God, and you do it his way and not your own way. And God has to break us from our from our carnality, from our old worldly mindset in order to do that. If you're going to be a godly man, Peter had to learn a lesson before you can be a leader. You've got to learn how to be a servant. That was the lesson Jesus taught not only Peter, but all of his servants, his his disciples. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you got to become the servant of all. And this is a lesson that we also have to learn. And I think Jesus was teaching Peter in that moment in John 18 is that before you can be a deliverer, you have to master your own self. For you can help other people get free, you got to be free. That's a lesson that not only Peter had to learn, but Moses had to learn that. Because for 40 years, Moses was raised in the house of Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised to be a successor of Pharaoh, but Moses still had some more schooling to learn because he thought that by taking matters in his own hands and killing an Egyptian, that he would be a deliverer. That was just one Egyptian. What are you going to do with the other millions? You going to kill them one by one by your own hands? So God had to send Moses into the wilderness for 40 more years to learn how to be a shepherd, to learn how to be a true leader, to be a servant. Man, it's really natural for us to, uh, to fight. We're taught as boys to fight. We're taught as boys not to cry. We're taught not to show pain. And so it's, it's difficult for us now as men to learn how to express our emotions. But most of us are more comfortable fighting than we are apologizing. It's easier for us to talk with our fists than it is for us to talk out of our hearts. Peter was that kind of guy. He didn't have much spiritual insight. That's why Paul told Timothy that men need to exercise their spiritual muscles too. In 1 Timothy 4 and 8, it says that physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. It promises benefits in this life and in the life to come. That's the kind of men that God wants to raise up at Park Lawn Assembly of God. So Peter is rebuked by Jesus. He puts his sword back in and he runs and he flees. And, and in John chapter 18, the Bible says that Simon Peter, in verse 15, he followed Jesus. As did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest. So he was allowed to enter into the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching the gate. And she let Peter in. And the woman asked Peter, you're not one of the man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I'm not. But it was cold. The household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire And they stood around it warming themselves and Peter stood with them warming himself. And inside the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching. Can you just picture Peter? This man who thought he had it all together. He thought he was macho. He's cold. He's he's standing by the fire with the world and he's warming himself. And one by one servant girls began coming to him saying, aren't you one of his? No, I'm not. Aren't you one? Didn't I see you? No, you didn't see me. I mean, this is a guy who 30 minutes ago was willing to die with one sword in his hand and stand up to hundreds of soldiers. Now, he's backing down in the presence of a servant girl. Man, I've got one question for you. If you're going to be a man of God, you've got to answer the question that the young urban prophets New addition asked long time ago. Can you stand the rain? Can you stand the rain? See, God is asking you this question this morning, man. Johnny Gill, saying on a perfect day, I know that I can count on you, but when that's possible, tell me, can you weather the storm? Let me stop. Let me stop. Y'all getting in the flesh. That's enough. Cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that. See, sunny days, everybody loves them, but they want to know. Tell me, baby, can you stand the rain? When storms come, and this I know for sure, they're going to come. Can you stand the rain? When the questioning of your faith comes, men, when the test comes, will you deny Jesus or will you stand up and say, yes, I was with him. I know him. Yes, I'm the one that cut the servant's ear off. See, many men, we, we, we have courage when it comes to sports and when, we, when it comes to, you know, showing our athletic and sometimes even your sexual prowess. But when it comes to your spiritual faith, can you stand the test? There's so many men that would rather take a swing than take a stand. praying that God would help us to be men of action, men who would man up, men who would stand up. As I was preparing this message, the Lord burdened my heart. He said, let me tell you something. Human trafficking, human sex trafficking, abortion, domestic abuse, Rape and incest, sexual uh, uh, harassment. There would be no me too moment. There would be no prostitution. There would be no divorce, infidelity, fatherlessness, murder, or violence if men would stand up for what is godly. I'm telling you. We're the foundation. We're the perpetrators of this. I don't know brothers today are probably saying, man, I... I need help, Bishop. I, I want to stand the test. I want to stand up. I want to man up. But can you help me? Yes, yes. I'm glad you asked that question. I can. Because I'm just going to simply say what Paul said. Follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. Follow me as I follow Christ. And what Jesus told his disciples, daily take up your cross and follow me. What does that mean? That means that you need to spend more time with Jesus than you do with the devil and his devices. You need to follow Jesus. You need to follow his way. You need to get a band of brothers around you who are committed to taking a good and godly stand in their hearts, in their homes, in their church, in their community. And then know this, men, that when you fall, not if you fall, but when you fall, allow Jesus to pick you back up. Allow him to dust you off and put you back In the race. That's what Paul was telling uh, the early church in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. He said in verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm saying to you men today that stood up earlier in this service, be strong in the Lord, not in your own strength. Be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so you might be able to stand against the tricks and the wiles of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood. Your wife, your girlfriend, your mama, your daddy, your children, your brothers, your sisters, your coworkers, they're not the enemy. I know they act like the enemy sometimes, but they're not the enemy. It's not flesh and blood. Our battle is against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, Paul says, take up the whole armor of God so that you might be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand stand some more so Peter he took this great fall he couldn't stand the rain he couldn't stand the rain and what did Peter do he do, he did what most of us do as men then we'll be blown it when we look macho on the outside but we know we're weak and struggling and empty on the inside when we're willing to take a, take a swing rather than take a stand, and on the, on the outside we look strong, but on the inside we know we don't have any spiritual faith or strength or joy or love or patience. We don't have anything of God strong on the inside. What we do? We quit, and we go back to what we know. Peter went back to fishing. That's what we do. We stop coming to church. That's why women outnumber men in the church. We neglect accountability in life groups with other men. The Bible tells us that after Peter denied Jesus, he went back fishing. And didn't realize that, that he was somebody's hero because those other ten disciples, they went with him. They went with him. It was the women who were faithful to Jesus and looking with an expectation to anoint his body at the tomb after his death. Peter went back fishing. Jesus had to come looking for him. That's good news. The Lord will not give up on you, men. He will come looking for you. Even while you're playing with your toys and hanging with your boys, the Lord is coming looking for you. He came looking for Peter. Found Peter and his, bro, and his boys sitting on the fishing boat. Hadn't caught anything. Jesus gave them a prophetic word and they caught a great catch of fish. And finally, one of the disciples said, it's the Lord. Peter took that opportunity. That's all I need. There's a gap between me and the Lord, but I'm going to fill that gap. Jesus. Peter took off his clothes and jumped in the water and began swimming towards Jesus. Men, I'm telling you, the Lord says, I want, I want you to close that gap that's between me and you today. Peter got to the shore before all the other men because they were trying to bring those fish in with the boat. And there was Jesus sitting on the beach had already made breakfast for the disciples. See, it's not by your effort. The Lord don't want your energy. He don't want your effort. He just wants your faith and your obedience. He just wants you to come and try. Just be with him. And when Peter got to the, to the shore, Jesus asked him three questions. Simon, Petros, Rock. I know you said you'd never deny me, you never leave me. But do you really love me more than these? Jesus used the Greek word agape. Do you really have an unconditional, undeniable, undying, all-pursuing, all-consuming love for me? Do you agape me more than these? Peter said, Lord, you know I phileo love you like a brother. I have a fondness for you. You know, you my you my guy. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Just just take care of the baby Christians. Asked him a second time in Matthew 21, 16. Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. Well, then take care of my sheep. He's saying take care of the, the adult sheep. Take care of the adult Christians. Pastor them. Finally, in verse 17, the third time Jesus asked to Simon, son of John. Okay, I get you. Do you phileo me? I know you don't agape me yet, but do you at least phileo me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question the third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. See, I'm so glad that God doesn't give up on us. We ought to agape him, men, but. If you fillet on him, he's still going to pursue you. He still wants to use you because at that moment, Jesus began to prophesy over Peter and said, you know what, you don't get it right now, but later on, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. This man who blew it three times as recording in the scripture, and it wasn't just those three times. If you fast forward to the book of Acts, Peter was still blowing it. He blew it at, you know, at Cornelius' house. Lord, I will never eat with Gentiles. They're unclean people. They eat unclean food. The Lord had to teach Peter another lesson in his S-U-M. Peter, you shall not call unclean that which I have cleansed. When Peter got that lesson, he started loving everybody. But then in Galatians chapter 2, when some of the, some of the Jews from Jerusalem came to, to, uh, to, uh, the book, to the city of Galatia, Peter was eating pork and eating you know, uh, uh, pork rinds and bacon and all kind of unkosher food. And the Jews came in and said, Peter, what are you doing eating with the Gentiles? Peter had barbecue sauce on his mouth, you know, crunchy corn uh, rinds on his, on, his, on his robe. And he's like, uh, 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 I didn't eat with them. He still had to learn the lesson over and over again. But God didn't give up on Peter. And finally, at the end of Peter's life, he got it. He learned the lesson. To man up does not mean swinging a sword, does not mean proving your masculinity by your strength, but it is instead laying down your life for your friends. Because when the time came for Peter to be crucified in Rome, Peter said, listen, I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way as my Savior. I get it now. He could have called 10,000 angels to free himself, but he didn't. When they arrested him in that garden and he just spoke his name, they all fell back. He could have destroyed all of them, but he didn't come to destroy them. He came to give them life. I get it now. And I'm not even worthy to be crucified the same way that he was. I want you to hang me upside down. Peter got it. Peter finally at that moment began to man up. That's our challenge today, men. It's for us to man up. The same men who stood at the beginning of this message, I'm going to challenge you to stand on your feet right now. Come on, stand on your feet right now, man. Because the Lord is saying, listen, I know that there, you've, you said that you go, you're not going to do certain things, but you did them. I know that there's certain things in your life that you're still struggling with. But listen, I'm not finished with you yet. I'm still chiseling you. I'm still working on that rock. There's an image that's on the inside of that rock that I've got to cut away some of the rubbish and some of the waste so I can reveal what's on the inside of you, men. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.